0: Uh, We're going to continue this thought about the results of a spirit led life. We talked about the fact that if you are led by the Spirit of God, and we spent a lot of uh, uh, time laying a foundation of what that means, that does not mean, listen to me, that does not mean that you roll around the ground and you foam at the mouth and you bark like a dog. All right? That is not what being filled with the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God is all about. Uh, As a matter of fact, I I told you to go to Galatians 5, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Real quickly, bear with me, First uh, Corinthians chapter 14. and I want you to understand that the more of the spirit of God that you get, the more control of yourself you're going to have. Amen. All right? A look at First Corinthians chapter number 14 and uh, look if you would at uh, let's see here, I just lost my place. Uh, spirit of the prophets is subject of oh, verse 32. Verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You know what that means? You have control of yourself when you yield to the Spirit of God. All right, look at Ephesians chapter 5. We'll we'll get to Galatians 5 in a moment. Don't worry, we won't lose sight of that. But look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and look if you would at verse number 18. Let me ask you a question, and you don't have to answer necessarily from experience, and we're not going to assume that you're answering it from experience, all right? We won't uh, judge you for this, but I think everybody in this room understands that when you get drunk with wine, you lose control of yourself. Is this this fair? Or if you get drunk with alcohol, the, the more drinking that goes on and the more drunken you are, the less control of your faculties you have. Can we agree on that? I'm not even talking about whether it's right or not. I'm just saying that's a fair, that's, a, that's an easy thing we can all agree on. We can agree on the fact that if you are drunk, you don't always remember what happened the night before, all right? Or you may say some things that the next day you go, I said that. Yeah, you did because you were drunk, right? And so what do they call that? Liquid courage, I think is what they call that, all right? Uh, it's called liquid foolishness is what it's called, according to God. But look at Ephesians 5, verse 18, and it says, be not drunk with wine where is excess? All right? Now, I want you to understand what God does throughout the Bible is He lays this out. And you'll learn this probably in no, great, in no greater place than the book of Proverbs, where He'll say, the, the wise is like this, but the foolish is like this. The foolish is like this, but the wise is like this. The rich man is like this, but the poor man is like this. The man of integrity is like this, but the sluggard is like this. Have you noticed that the connecting thought, the connecting word is the word but? Because he's trying to show you a contrast. You get that? And so he says, And be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess, losing control of yourself, right? But, look at verse 18, Be filled with the what? Spirit. The Spirit of God. I know we explained this before, but I'll explain it again. When you get saved, the Spirit of God comes inside of you. And every moment of the Christian life, He's going to let you decide whether you are filled more with yourself or filled more with Him. It is not that there's more of the Holy Spirit that God pours out on you at a later time. You get all the Holy Spirit the moment you get saved. But the question is, how much of your life will you fill with you, and how much of your life will you fill with the Spirit of God? And if you yield on a... I used to say on a day-by-day. Forget that. On a moment-by-moment basis. You get bad news and you go, you know what, God, this is bad news. I don't like it, but I'm going to trust you with it. And that's, a, that's an opportunity for you to live in the Spirit, to, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God. Someone says something to you that gets you upset and that gets you a little bit angry. And you go, I don't like that. And the Spirit of God goes, how are you going to respond? Great. Are you with me? And so you go, okay, I'll be filled more. I'm going to make room, Lord, for you in my life so that I can be led by you. That's what it means to be led. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And I want you to notice in verse 18 of Ephesians 5, the contrast is you either have less control of yourself or you have more control of yourself. How do you get more control of yourself? By submitting and being yielded to the Spirit of God. You ever find yourself saying, uh, I, you know, I know I shouldn't have, but they. Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, all right. So, so when that happens, you have to own own it and take responsibility and go, "Yeah, but I wasn't being led by the spirit of God." I, I you know, let's let's just be honest. Uh, we had disagreements. Me and wife had disagreements, and, and 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 it's hard. But I always have to prove that I'm right. I mean, because I am right. That's right. That's exact. And and you know, it's okay for her to be wrong all the time. No, I'm just kidding. I. Obviously, you get the joke here, but you understand, people have disagreements. The question is, how am I going to respond to it whenever she has a different point of view than I have? And the question is, okay, am I going to be led by the Spirit of God or not? Because I can allow, even if I am right, I could be right biblically about what I'm saying, but how I respond to that can make all the difference in the world. Some people are so right that they're wrong. And you're so right, but you're not led by the Spirit of God. And if if we had, you know, the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, whatever trial going on, you'd be right every single time, but no one would want to listen to you. You understand? And the difference is being led by the Spirit of God versus being led by your flesh. So in light of that, go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Is it making sense? Galatians (laughs) 5. I'd like to tell you everything that happened in my day. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but it was a fun day, and and I feel like the Lord just goes. So, are you, are you happy? <laughs> are you joyful? <laughs> because you're about to preach on it, you better be. You know, look at Galatians five and look if you would at verse number twenty two. But the fruit of the spirit. We talked about how you have to have the seed planted in a good heart, in the uh, the word of God brought into good ground. And there has to be the application of certain elements in your life for there to be fruit. And before you were saved, there was fruit, but it was unto death. And now God wants to bear fruit unto life, right? Uh, look at Galatians 5, or, or yeah, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. First element there, the first manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life is love. Now, for Bible believers, that sounds kind of, you know, kind of soft and... Oh, I don't know. We don't want to go, you know, too far with this love thing. You can't go too far with true love. And I'm not talking Princess Bride, true love's kiss, or anything like that, all right? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about biblical love, all right? Some of you are too young to even know what I'm talking about. Princess Bride, what's that, preacher? Get an education. Go home and watch it, all right? <laughs> if, you didn't, if you didn't grow up in the 80s and 90s, you missed out. I'm sorry. Uh, but... Uh, I'm old enough to be attributed to a couple of decades now. I love it. It's great. But the first manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in your life is, is you having the right kind of love, which means you love the right things. And it's a pure love, and it's not a selfish love. It's not a what-do-I-get-out-of-it love. Um, young men, let me tell you something. Be real careful that you're not just in lust, but that you're in love. You know how you can test that? Keep your hands off her. <laughs> I can say this. I'm married now. It's easy, you know. But I remember being your age. It was hard. But you know what I learned? I learned this, that when lust takes over, you realize it's not always true love. Yeah, that's right. And the Bible says, charity thinketh not of itself. Thinketh no evil. It says, "It vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly, meaning, meaning this, it's not inappropriate. So the fruit of the Spirit is loving the right things, and, and in that category, first and foremost, I, I express my love to God. How do I do that? By giving. And I don't just mean financially, giving of my time. You ever wake up in the morning and go, do I really need to read my Bible? No, you don't have to, but do you love them? Do I really need to come to church? No, you don't have to, but do you love them? I, I, do I really need to get involved? I mean, listen, I've, I've drawn 100 koalas for VBS. Do I need to draw another one? <laughs> yes, because you love the Lord, amen? Or if you're smart, you outsource it to children and take the credit for it, right? That's, that's what I would do. I'll tell you that right now. Draw a koala, amen, you know? Uh, but you, you understand what I'm getting at is the Lord's going to test you in your love for him. Also, your love for the brethren. Yes, Amen. <laughs> I texted my wife, and I screenshotted something that someone, no one from here, calmed down. Someone wrote me something, and I said, "I don't hate this person, but I don't like him." And the Lord is, is, was testing me on something. And uh, you know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to love that person. I right. was well, supposed to love that person. No, and again, I want to reiterate it. If you texted me today, it's not you. <laughs> it's it's no one in church tonight. I promise you that. Okay, I'm serious. So, everyone that texts me is like, let me check my phone. What did I write him? <laughs> it's not you, I promise. But here's my point you're called to love each other. No. Yes, That's one them. of the signs of the brethren. Mm-hmm. That's one of the signs you've been with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then it says this the fruit of the Spirit, secondly, look at verse 22 is joy. Is joy. Yeah. Um, oh, brother, I feel terrible. Uh, my dear friend that just moved here from, from New York. Brother, what's your name? Was it New York you moved here from? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. East Coast, it's all a mess over there, who cares? <laughs> brother, Brother uh, Kira, uh, Karim? Yeah. Kiran, okay, Kiran. All right, brother, would you open us up in a word of prayer? Okay, thank you. Mm. Yeah. Amen. 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 Be seated. Uh, Him be seated. The rest of you are already seated. (laughs) Uh, You know what I thought about tonight, by the way? I'm looking at you guys, and and this is just a wild scene. This is awesome, because uh, the world is trying so hard to get the whole world together. Have you looked around the room? Aren't you glad we're all different? You know how this works? This works under the banner of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work under the banner of the United Nations. Or the unusual nuts, okay? Uh, but but understand this. Understand this, folks. God has called us to be led by the Spirit of God. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And and if you are going to be led by the Spirit of God, one of the natural byproducts. It's not like you have to go home tonight and I go make me happy, make me happy, make me happy. That's not how that works. All right. Uh, I was, I was uh, raised, my, my, my dad was Catholic, my mom was charismatic, kind of reminds me of Nacho Libre, the Lutheran and the Catholic that get married, you know, and, and, and I was a little confused as a kid when I was growing up, but I remember going to a church when I was younger uh, that was, uh, I guess you could say more charismatic in nature, if you will. And they came over one night, and they, they were trying to get my dad to be filled with the Spirit of God. My dad wasn't even saved yet. And they're like, just practice these words. And my dad was like, looked at me. At one point, he looked at me, and I was like on a scooter or something. He goes, this isn't working. <laughs> and, 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 and let me just say this right now. That's not how you're going to do it. You're not going to get in the Spirit or filled with the Spirit. All right? You, let, me, let me say it like this. If you're saved, watch it. You are already living in the Spirit. But because you are alive in the Spirit, as it says in Galatians, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so you're going to make that choice. And if you make that choice to yield to what God wants in your life, you are going to experience the blessing, listen to me, of joy. Now now think about this. Go to Luke chapter 15. This is Wednesday night Bible study. And while it's going to be a little bit shorter tonight, it's still intended to be Bible study. All right. So look at Luke chapter number 15. Luke 15, and let me just say this right now. If you're not saved, you are missing out on the greatest joy that has ever existed in this life. And if you are saved and you're not walking in the spirit, you're missing out on the rest of the joy that God has for your life. And I'll tell you this as well. If you've never led someone to Christ, you're missing out, man. That's a, talk about a joyful experience. You lead someone to Christ and you see those tears stream down and they look up at you and they go, I'm saved, right? I'm like, yeah, did you believe in your heart that God raised them? Yeah, I believe that. Then you're saved. <laughs> and their life changes forever from that moment. All right, look at Luke chapter 15. Can I just say this? Your experience with God began with you getting saved. Now, you may have, listen to me, you may have been like Cornelius. I've talked with the guys about this before. You may have been like Cornelius in that you were trying to know God. Maybe you prayed every day. Uh, Maybe you were coming to church. Maybe you were giving money to the poor, and you were doing what you knew to do to try to get a hold of God. And listen, let me say that. When, when a person is lost and they're doing that, the Bible says that their life and their prayers come up before God as a memorial. That's what it says about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. But let me ask you this question. Was Cornelius saved but before he was uh, presented with the gospel with or after, it was after. Even though he had done all those good things, he wasn't saved yet, right? And so you need to understand this. The, the real beginning of your experience with God. When your spirit becomes alive, as the Bible calls it, the the washing of regeneration, all right? Genes, Genesis, the beginnings of your genealogy, tracing back, right? The beginning of what? The beginning of life. So when you are regenerated, there is new life brought into you. And so your spirit was dead, Ephesians 2, you got saved and the spirit of God came inside, you were born again and new life was brought. The moment that happened, you know what happened? Maybe not down here. Uh, it wasn't written about in the newspapers. Nobody wrote about your salvation in the newspapers. The Denver Post didn't come out and interview you. The USA Today could care less. The New York Times probably would have said you joined a cult. <laughs> right? And, and so what, I'm, what am I getting at is no one here really down, there was no party down here. But do you know what happened in heaven the moment you got saved? Look at Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, look if you would at verse number 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven. Yes, let me just say this. You know what you ought to do? You ought to learn to get into God's economy. You know what that means? What makes God happy should make you happy. Yes. And what makes God upset should make you upset. What makes God weep should make you weep. What makes God grieve should make you grieve. That's when you start to live, when you really start to get a hold of walking in the Spirit, meaning let the Spirit guide me You go, God, I want to be on your economy. I was uh, watching this. Uh, I'm a nerd. I'm a history nerd. I'm a just a sociology nerd. I like watching uh, things about other countries and what's going on there. And um, anybody follow Venezuela? It used to be a very rich country, and now they're going. You know, they It's very sad what's happened there. And uh, uh, really, what was what happened was a lot of promises were made to people that never could have been fulfilled. And, and now the people are suffering. And so th- th- there are 40,000 Venezuelans that cross over on a bridge by foot every day. The government doesn't let them take their cars because they're afraid that they'll go and they'll never come back. So they let them go on foot to Colombia, cross this little bridge. I forget the name of the town, little border town there. And they buy things like toothpaste and milk for the kids. You know why? Because they, they, don't, they don't have it in their country. That's how bad it is. Did you complain about your food today? now these people cross over you know what the first thing is that they have to do they've got bolivianos they got venezuelan money and they're going to colombia where they have pesos so when they cross over to buy something on that side the first thing that meets them is people that will exchange their money you know why because on this side that currency does you no good you go, yeah, but it was worth something over there. Yeah, then, then go buy what you want over there. Can I say it like this? If you want to get in on God's economy, the currency, the, the stuff that makes people happy in this life, the temporal things, the things that people go, that's going to be the thing that makes me happy, getting that career, doing this thing, having that. I'm not saying those are all evil things, but that currency doesn't always translate into God's economy. And you need to learn, to, you're going to cross over that bridge one day forever and ever and ever. And between now and then, God says, I'm going to let you come and taste a little bit of heaven. It's going to happen through joy. Look at Luke 15 and verse number seven. Likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented. Look at verse number 10. Likewise, I you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that Repent. Look back at Luke chapter number 10. You know what I'm trying to get you to understand? Your, your spiritual awakening, you're being born again. The moment you started this new life, it started off with joy. Whether you saw it all down here or not, it was happening up there. And God wants you to experience that. Uh, look at Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter 10. This is why when someone gets up and says, uh, so-and-so just got saved, the response should be, amen. And then you go to a ball game, like, woo! You know, and the guy takes his shirt off who should never take his shirt off. There are layers that remind us he should never take his shirt off. And he jumps up and down, and oh, I can't get that image out of my head. And he's so happy about the, the game. And, and it, you know, that's, I'm trying to give you an illustration of where most people live. And you're, as a child of God, you're called to something better, something higher. Do you understand? When you go to heaven, it's me to be pure joy forever and ever and ever. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. Look if you would at verse number 20. You know, I'd say that God wants us to see our salvation begins with joy. I think he also wants us to understand that our, our joy should not be found in the power that we have as much as the position that we have in Christ. Uh, look at Luke chapter 10. Look if you would at verse... You know why? Because there are moments in your life where you're powerless. Yes. But your position in Christ doesn't change. Yes. Look at Luke 10, and in Luke chapter 10, it's very similar to what you find in Matthew 10, where the Lord sends out his disciples and they go and they preach the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, and then they come back and they're all excited, like, Jesus, you're never going to guess what happened. He's like, I'm the Son of God. I already know. <laughs> right? And I no, no, but really, it was really cool. We got to raise the dead, we got to do this, and we had this amazing power. Look what he tells them in verse 20 of Luke chapter 10. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in heaven, and no matter what happens in this life, that will never change. So I want you to understand the Lord that the the beginning of your spiritual life it it involves joy. I want you to understand this as well. All right, go to Zephaniah chapter three. At the risk of losing some of you that don't know where it is, all right, uh, just find Malachi and go backwards a couple books to the left, and you'll find it. All right, so it goes Malachi, Zechariah, uh. Uh, Haggai, and then Zephaniah, going backwards. Zephaniah chapter 3, look if you would at verse number 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Do you believe that? Yeah, well, the circumstances don't lean that way. It looks like we're losing. Well, listen, if that's how you look at it, then you're losing sight of the fact that God is in the midst of you. If you're saved, God's here. Because where two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst of them. So the Lord is here. He says this. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save. Now watch this. He will rejoice. Do You know that God actually gets happy? If you came from like a background like I did, you know, I grew up Catholic. I don't, you know, I kind of always thought God was angry all the time. You know, and some of you still think that. I can tell by the look on your face sometimes. You know, like, you know, how you doing? Good. Great representation of the Lord. (laughs) He rejoices, Look what it says. He rejoices over thee with joy. You know why? He rejoices over you because of the choice you made for Jesus Christ, and now you are His child. And you know what you do with your children when your children are gone, Listen, uh, let's be honest. When your child is in a play, you're not looking at all the other kids. You're like, <gasps> <laughs> Listen, Sunday, all the kids were up here, and you know what the parents do now? You Give me your phone. You know, here we go. But you can tell they're kind of focused on their kid. (laughs) Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But you know why you do that? Because you love your kid. You're rejoicing watching your child do something great. And you're going, man... That kid is something, man. That kid is, something. that's my kid. And you know, just say this, guys. When you get born again and you were brought into a, uh, the adoption into the sons of God, God rejoices over you that way. Not because you are awesome in and of yourself, but because of your relationship to him through Jesus Christ. He rejoices over you. Can I ask you this? If you want to be more like the Spirit of God, you want to be more like the Lord Himself, should there not be some more joy in your life? Let me ask you this question. What is it that makes you happy? Recently, I preached a message, why aren't you happy? And we talked about why some people aren't happy even as believers. All right. But let me just say this. If you're going to follow in the Lord's footsteps, he did rejoice. I, I, I don't want to misrepresent and tell you that the Lord was all about the party life because he wasn't. We saw he came to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. His life was a life of service, and yet he was joyful. He was joyful. God rejoices. And can I say this? If you read the rest of that verse, that joy leads to singing. You notice that? You know there's some religions that say you shouldn't sing? Any religion that says you shouldn't sing is the wrong one. Because the God of the Bible sings himself. I mean, America's got talent. They got their idea of what talent is, and the Lord looks down. Sometimes I'm convinced the Lord looks down on New Heights Baptist Church, and he hears one of you that maybe is a little tone deaf, And you kind of sing quietly because you don't want anyone to hear you. And then that you forget for a little bit that anyone's around you and you forget about that because you're so excited about what you're singing about. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. And and your your wife or your your husband's like, what is wrong with you? That sounds awful. And the Lord's like, keep going. That's awesome. I love that. You know why? Because he sees it's, it's a genuine joy in your life. The Lord gets a blessing out of that. Listen, uh, no, by the way, nobody here is going to be on America's Got Talent, all right? So don't, don't worry about, about how you sound next to somebody. Lay, lift up your voice like a trumpet. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know what that is? That's the result of someone that's walking in the Spirit. You know what you can't do? You can't curse people in traffic yell at your kids, be upset with your spouse, and come into church and get out of it what you should. You won't rejoice the same. You're still saved, but you won't rejoice the same. You see why? Spirit of God is being grieved. The flesh is being elevated. And I have to make that choice to go, flesh, shut up yeah, things aren't the way I want them, but God's better than just the circumstances. And you know what? Uh, You know what? Yeah, that person said that, but who are they? They're just another person. I got my eyes on Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God goes, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then you find joy in your life. David said this, I wait patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. A new song. All right? Not the old song. A new song. A new song. Not the old stuff, a new one. Why does he say a new song? Because there was plenty of songs in your life before you knew Jesus. And now it's like, okay, but there's a new song and so there should be something that that, that 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 points to the Savior, that exalts Him, music that glorifies Him. Why? Because I'm happy, and when I'm happy, I sing. I've got a, a son. Where's Ethan at? Is Ethan in here somewhere? All right. That guy goes to the house. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. He had an ice cream popsicle in his mouth the other day. He's on the swing. Of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the, there could have been nuclear holocaust. He was like. He was happy with that popsicle. He was happy in life, and he could care less what was going on around him. He was in the zone. He was enjoying himself. He was rejoicing in life. And I just think sometimes, every once in a while, God wants to look down at his children sitting on a swing with a popsicle in their mouth, with the word of God in one hand, being led by the Spirit of God, and just mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just being excited that you're saved <laughs> and that God is working in your life. Let me ask you this. Those of you that have any pro- Anybody here have problems? Anybody? Anybody? All right, can I ask you how much worse they would be without Jesus Christ? <laughs> My kids don't always obey me. Join the club! You know how much worse it would be without biblical direction? You know, I have this problem at work. Everyone's got problems. But man, you've got a reason to rejoice. You do. The Bible says about charity that it rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth in the truth. Go with me to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a a book that seems kind of like an innocent little history book, a little bit of a side tangent about the Jewish people building some walls. And you're kind of like, yeah, what's all that in there for? Well, there's a great parallel to what we're trying to do for Jesus Christ here in our own lives. And... Let me say this, the Bible says, He that hath no, listen to me, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You know what that means? Going back to Ephesians 5, when you're led by your flesh and you're not led by the Spirit of God, you have no control of yourself or your emotions. And so the Lord wants you to build some walls in your life to protect you from spiritual and emotional and, dare I say, even mental vulnerability. But in order for you to do that, you have to understand the building of the wall is not going to be an easy task. All right? Look at Nehemiah chapter number 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. Look, if you would, at verse number 1. It came to pass in the month there's your car, Nissan, uh, in the 20th year of our the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine, and I gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore, the king said to me, why is thy countenance sad? You have to understand something about Persian culture, and it went from the Babylonians to the Persians, and the Medes, and so on and so forth. Persian culture was like this, if you're sad in front of the king, off with your head. Like, like, why are you sad in front of me? We're going to kill you. You shouldn't be sad. Be happy. Okay, I'm happy. I'm good. I'm good. Right? And, and so Nehemiah is trying to tell us, the author of this book, here's where I was at. I was the king's cupbearer. And my job was to bring joy into his presence because he's the king. And so there he is with a sad countenance. And the king addresses him and says, why is that countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick. This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. Let's be honest, not everything in our life goes the way we want it to, but the very beginning of this book about building walls, you know what our our theme for the year is? Building on in 2022. This is going somewhere, just bear with me. Building on in 2022, and we want God to build things in our lives. We want God to build this church. We want God to to build our plans and be the master builders, what the Bible says about Jesus Christ, and for him to be the foundation and the builder. We want that. We want to build on in 2022. Let me just say this. The very beginning of this book that's about building something great for God starts with a sad guy. A guy that's upset about how things are going. A guy that goes, I don't know how we can win. It looks like we're going to lose. Every great movie has the underdog, and it's the ninth inning, and they're down by three, and you know, the guys up there, you know, or it's the, you know the hockey team, you know the the miracle team of the nineteen eighties that beat the Soviet Union or whatever, and you know the, against all odds, they defy all odds. That's a great story. You know what? That's a biblical principle. It looks like the good guys are going to lose, and then in the end, they win. Right. But you lose sight of that, and Nehemiah did. Look at verse three. He said, "To the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad?" When the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, as the graves lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire, then the king said to me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it pleased the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah. You know what this guy's about to ask? Let me quit my job, and would you fund me going and building walls for my city? I mean, you talk about some chutzpah. This guy, this guy here, he's got it. This guy goes, he goes, Man, I... I'm just going to throw it out there. You know what this guy did? He took a risk. You know what you're going to have to do as a Christian to experience joy, and I promise you this is going somewhere, and you want to build something great in your life? You're going to have to risk some things. You're going to have to put yourself out there against the odds and against the circumstances and say, God, I'm going to need your help here, and I'm going to take a step of faith, and here's what, Lord, I'm going to put myself out there. Look at the same chapter, and look if you would at verse 10. If you think that's not going to get the devil's attention, you are sorely mistaken. Some some people think, I'll have joy when everything's going right in my life. Can I show you what happens in verse 10? When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, what did they hear of? The fact that Nehemiah was there to build back what God had started many, many generations ago. And what had been broken down. Can I say this, guy? Uh, uh, folks, the, the, the family structure has been broken down. Society has been broken down. Uh, mental capacity has been broken down. I mean, the morality is broken down. People don't know if they're men or women anymore. It's all broken down. And we cannot expect the Democrats, the Republicans, or the gov- or anybody to fix all of that. That's on us. And God's going, I want you to build something great. But, Lord, I'm really sad right now. and I've got my problems. Are you willing to get out of that and take a risk and kind of put yourself out there? And then when you do, you need to understand this. When you do what's right and you want to build something for God, look what it says here. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. It is going to grieve the devil to see you attempt to build something for God. That's right. Look, if you would, at verse 12. And I arose in the night, I and millions of men with me. How many? You might look around and go, well, we're just a small church. You only need a few. Mm-hmm. Listen, to build something great for God, it only takes a few. And you remember who you are and why you're here. Look, if you would, at verse 20. Then answered I them. We're just going to take a real quick trip to Nehemiah. Then answered I them and said to them the God of heaven. He will prosper us. Therefore, we, his, what? Yeah. It's not about my life. It's about his life in me. We will arise and build. Can I say this? God wants you to remember who you are and why you're here. And if you're not careful, you will look at the circumstances of life and go, well, I don't belong, and I don't fit, and I don't. I've had people say this to me before. I just don't feel like I fit in, and and my life isn't perfect. And you know what that is? That's looking in the wrong mirror. Nobody in this room is perfect. Can I get a witness? You know what we are? We are all trophies of the grace and mercy of God and God's working in our lives. And you know what all of us have to realize? The only reason we fit is because of Jesus Christ. The reason I'm here is to serve him. But my job, when I say I am his servant, does not mean that God's gonna go ahead and say, okay, now you took a risk, you put yourself out there, you wanna build something great for me, I'm just gonna do it all for you. No, that means I have gotta grab a tool. I've gotta do some things. The Bible says there, we will arise and Bill, can I just throw this out there? How many of my brothers and sisters in Christ will join me tonight and say, I will arise and build? Whether it's for vacation Bible school, whether it's for uh, 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 going down to the fair and having a booth there, whether it's going to summer camp and volunteering of time at VBS, or you know what it might be? It might be cleaning up the church. It might be going to look for another place. It might be going and praying over a piece of land and saying, God, what do you want? We're here. We're your servants. We want to arise and build. How many of us will say, I'll do it? God's looking for that. God desires that. Look if you would at chapter four. We're going to skip over chapter three. Look at chapter four. You know what the world's going to try to convince you of? The fact that you're building for God, and this is going to lead to joy. Just bear with me again. I said it, and I'll say it, I'll say it again. Bear with me. We're going somewhere. The world's going to try to make you feel like what you're doing is insignificant. Right. You know one of the ways they do it? They make fun of what of the Bible, and they make fun of what you do as a Christian, and they make fun of. Uh, that's not you know who cares about you you're just you, you think you're better than everybody and you're one of those christians and you're a fundamentalist and you're a na, na, you're bible thumper are you that kind of thing and you have to learn to do is just go if it wasn't worth doing this wouldn't bother them that's right. Amen. if i wasn't getting spiritual attention on what i'm doing right now then that means i'd be just wasting my time When I start seeing that all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, it seems like everyone's telling me I'm wasting my time and God is the one that's leading me to do this. All of a sudden, I should go, this is important. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. It came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. The devil's not going to be happy when you do something great for God. He's not going to be happy when you take that stone and put it on another stone. You take another stone, put it on top of that one, and you take another one, put it on top of that one, and you start to build those walls in your life that need to be there. The devil's going to hate that. Notice what happens. He was wroth and took great indignation. And look at how, look at what he did. He was angry, but how do you express that anger? Through mockery. You know what the devil wants to do in your life? He wants to whisper, it's not worth it. Just quit now. They won't even know you're gone. It doesn't matter. Your kids are too far gone, your marriage is too far gone. You, do you remember everything you used to do? I still remember all that stuff, and the devil will come in and try to mock what you're trying to do for Jesus Christ today. I just say this. The louder they get, the more excited I get that I know I'm doing something right. Amen. Look what happens here in verse number two, and he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish? which are? Let me just say this. God in the New, Jesus Christ New Testament says this, if you don't worship me, the rocks would cry out. So these feeble Jews that you're making fun of, their God, if he wanted to, he would make those rocks cry out from the ground. Look at verse three. Now to buy the Ammonite was by him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. You know what Nehemiah did? In verse four, he just turned to the Lord. I want to remind you though, the devil wants to infiltrate the work of God. And I want you to understand that God will fight for you if you are willing to work. Look look if you go to Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 20. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. What does it say here? Our God shall fight for us. Well, it just kind of feels like we're... We don't know what's going to happen, and we're not sure how it's going to work out, and and it looks like this is a bad thing, and it's definitely an inconvenience, and and I'm not sure how God can... Hey, listen, listen, it's not your job to worry about it. It's not my job to worry about that. Our job is simply to continue to work in spite of the elements and to continue to build. You know what the Bible says? God will fight for us. This is His project. Your marriage and your children and your family and this church, it's God's project. It's not ours. Our job is to continue the work and continue to go on to be to be steadfast, to be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Look if you at Nehemiah chapter number 6. We're moving quickly. Nehemiah chapter 6. You're going to have to learn to do in your life. Ignore the distractions. Ignore the distractions. You say, what is that? There's going to be people that try to get you off course and different spirits in this world that try to get you away from Jesus Christ, away from God's work and and different things and different elements even in your own life, different voices are going to try to get you to stop what you're doing. And let me just say this. Oftentimes, when you stop what you're doing and you listen to a voice like that and you even argue with it, you are giving weight to them and they don't have weight. You understand? Yeah. And, and so I want you to notice what happens here in Nehemiah chapter 6. I'll give you what at verse 2. Then said that, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages, In the plane of, oh, no. Listen, if someone ever invites you to, oh, no, don't go there. (laughs) That just sounds like a bad place. Oh, no. (laughs) The plane of, oh, no. But they thought to do me mischief, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I, watch this, I'm doing a great work. Stop. Do you realize that when you're building your character and you're saying no to certain elements from the old life and you're saying yes to certain elements of the new life, you're building walls in your life, and that's a great work. And you may think it's insignificant, and the devil may try to mock you for it, and the world may try to mock you for it, but it's significant to God. And you know what it is in God's eyes? It's a great work. You go, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I don't do this. It is a great work because it's what God has asked you to do. You building your walls. That's what God has asked you to do. Look, if everyone just says, you know what? We all quit. We're all done. No more building of walls. If you guys all did that a year ago, Javen wouldn't be here. You listening? Richard wouldn't be here. I can go through the room. If some of you had quit years ago, there's other names that wouldn't be here either. You know what that tells me? It matters. It matters to God. I want you to notice how he responds to this. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Sometimes kid will call me and I'm on the other side of the house dad 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 you know the pitch that goes up and down like that you know your parents know what I'm talking about and and you go I'm doing something can you come here and it's like why can't you come here and then the response from a six-year-old is awesome I'm busy what are you so busy doing (laughs) When you're doing something for the Lord, you know, you can honestly and confidently say, I'm doing a great work. I'm not going to stop to deal with this silly distraction. Yeah. Do, you know, do, you, do you know what Nehemiah said? Psh, yeah. As he said in the 90s, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you, you young people think you got all the words. We had them too. They're just out of fashion now, like yours will be in about 10 years. My wife, they used to call her a valley girl. So every time we go to Breckenridge, there's a little place called Valley Girl Boutique, and she stands underneath and goes like this. And we send it to all her friends that knew her we in the 90s. You know what he said, basically? I'm, I'm not listening to that. You know what something you need to do in your life? I'm, not, I'm, I'm shutting that out. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing for God to listen. You're doing nothing but running your mouth about what I'm doing. So why would I stop what I'm doing to jabber my jaw like you're doing, and you're doing nothing? You know what social media has, has caused? It's caused a lot of spectators to feel like they're important. Just because you have an opinion about something doesn't mean it matters. That's <laughs> hard for some of you. I know it is. If you know what really matters, truth. And at the end of the day, you know what you're doing? When you're building something for God, you're doing a great work. Look if you had Nehemiah chapter 7, trying to move quickly. This was not easy. I mean, they build... Build the walls up to a certain point, and you got to put the doors up. Look at Nehemiah 7, verse 1. It came to pass, and the wall was built, and I set up the doors, and the porters, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed. That I gave my brother Hananiah, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot and while they stand by let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem everyone in his watch and everyone to be over against his house. You know what that told me? We have to work but we got to watch. We need to be vigilant about what's going on and we need to make sure that nothing comes inside here that's going to distract or deter or destroy the work that's being done from the inside. And and, and you know what they had to do? They had to go, hey, listen, while you work, all right, you got a trowel in your hand, keep a sword in your hand. And we got folks over here that are kind of watching. And we're just watching and making sure that nothing's coming in that God doesn't want on the inside. Do you know what that's a great picture of? The spirit of God in your life, kind of watching the gates of your life, going, that doesn't come in here. That shouldn't come in here. You shouldn't listen to that. Don't listen. They have no idea what they're talking about. Put that away. All right, why are you watching that? Don't put your eyes on that. Those images don't belong here. Are you with me? These are things that don't belong because what they're going to do is they're going to take from the inside and they're going to cause you to weaken your hands so you continue to go, you know what, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I just need to quit. And eventually you put your weapon and your tool down and walk away. Some of you say, I'm not an emotional person. I'm, I'm, I just, I kinda, you know, I'm just not real emotional about things. And I don't know that I believe that. I think the problem is some of you don't have the right emotions about the right things let's let, let me let me let me go a step further there are points in our lives where all of us experience what i just said where essentially i've got the wrong emotions about the wrong things and someone goes well i'm just not an excitable person you're a liar when you get in an argument with your spouse you're not like yes dear no problem <laughs> whatever you No, uh, that's not how that goes and don't you look at me and go oh <laughs> That's exactly how it always goes. We just love it. Uh-uh. You know, you got emotions. The question is, what are your emotions invested in? And I want you to notice, I'm look at Nehemiah chapter 8. Look, if you would, at verse number 1. Some of you are like, I have no idea. How this has anything to do with joy. We're going to get there if you just hold on. Hold on. Nehemiah chapter 8. Look at verse 1. All the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the the morning, six o'clock until midday. That's a six-hour service of a dude just standing there going, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible... I mean, you guys think I'm long? That is a long service. Six hours. I've never done that to you guys. Come on. <laughs> Before the men, the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. I want you to notice something. Look down, if you would, at verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's why we do that here, by the way. You're not standing for me when we say standing for the reading of the word of God. It's for the Bible. It's for honoring God's word. But I want you to notice something in verse Number nine. Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, that's the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. More not, nor weep. Why why is he telling them not to weep? You know why? Because they were. You know why? They had an emotional response. Do you know why they were responding emotionally? Listen to me very carefully. It's important because they were invested emotionally. When you invest emotionally, that's the sweetest cry. Give it two years, it won't be that sweet. (laughs) When you invest in something, you put your emotions in it. And it matters to you. When you hear, uh, we don't have the downstairs available and what's going to happen, it should kind of give you a little bit of, ah, why? Because this is my church, I care. Right? And, And the Bible says that they... They they wept before the Lord. Why were they weeping? Because they had invested themselves emotionally, and they realized, man, after all the work that we have done, man, the reason that this work was so hard is because our parents and their parents, and we as a nation had dropped the ball, and now our job is harder than it was before. Can I say this? In the 1960s and 70s, you walk up to someone and say, do you know Jesus Christ? Are you saved? They may not have been saved, but they knew what you meant. It ain't that way today. Someone's dropped the ball. You know, our job may be a little bit harder, and there may be a little bit more weeping, but you know what comes after weeping? They that sow in tears shall come again, rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Look, like if you would, at verse, you ever had a, it's ever happened in your life where you just cry, like you just can't cry anymore, and then you sleep like the heaviest sleep you've ever had in your life. And you wake up in the morning, kind of like I call it a emotional hangover, no alcohol involved, just like, and then you kind of in that little bit of a fog, a little bit of a funk, and and eventually you kind of break out of that. And you look back and go, man, I'm glad I didn't listen to certain voices. Because I could have done something really stupid. Anybody ever been there before? Yes, amen. Christian, I'm going to tell you this. there so me times where you invest in something, and it doesn't, exactly go the way you expect and there's opposition and there's mockery and there's voices from within and there's voices from without and your hand gets weak and you go, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I want you to see what Nehemiah says in verse number 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. If, if you wanted justification for drinking Coca-Cola, that would be it right there, okay? And send portions of them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. Why? He said, hey, guys, maybe it's not how you expected it to be. Maybe there's some regret that you have. But you know what's going to keep you going? Because, by the way, they're not done with their job yet. There's a few chapters left. Church, let me say this. We've been here for 12 years. We are far from being done. There's some chapters that are left. And I'm going to tell you right now, the only way you're going to become what God wants you to be and you're going to build what God wants you to build in your life, in your prayer life, saying no to those evil imaginations, casting those imaginations down thinking the right way, building the right relationship with your spouse, building the right relationship with your kids, building the right Christian home, building your testimony in the community, uh, building your, your character as a believer, the things that nobody else knows about. You know what integrity is? It's doing the right thing when nobody else can see you but God. And building all those things in your life and then helping to build what God is doing here. You know what's gonna help you keep going? You know what's gonna give strength to your hands and revitalize you? Joy. He says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Look, if you would, at Nehemiah chapter 13. Verse 1, On that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come to the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them that he should curse them. But that's not where that verse ends. I want you to let the last part of that verse sink into your heart and into your mind. You know what God's really good at doing? <laughs> Taking a curse and making it into a blessing. Amen. <laughs> you know what He does? He goes, okay, you want to reject my son and you want to crucify him? You know what? He's going to go into the ground, but guess what? He won't stay there. I'm going to take that curse and turn it into a blessing. I want to take the fact that you're a sinner and that you are, you are steeped in your sin and your life is a wreck and your life is a mess and you've got all these bad habits and I want to put you in a place on the side of a bank. you are going to hear the gospel and you're going to get saved and I'm going to take that curse and turn it into a blessing. And I want to take the baggage from the old life that everyone thought there's no way you can get rid of and you're not strong enough. And it's just a fad. It's just a phase. You'll never live it all the way through. And I'm going to show them that that curse is going to turn into a blessing. And I'm going to take the fact that you start your church in your house and, and the, the kids are crying every night because they have no friends and they still have no friends. I'm so sorry. antisocial homeschoolers. You want to be your friend? Okay. Thank you very much. All right. I mean, I mean, they have no friends, and the cat's walking in the middle of the service and getting out of here in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to take that curse and I'm going to turn that into a blessing. And I'm going to take the fact that you go to the Aurora Association of Realtors office and there's diapers and beer bottles on the floor. And I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the fact that you set set up chairs every day, every Sunday and every every Sunday night. Take them down and I'm going to take that curse and I'm going to turn it to a blessing. Then I'm going to have you drop in the side of a a bank and you're going to walk in. There's going to be all kinds of divisions and walls in that place. And you're going to look at that thing and go, how are we going to get anybody in here? Who's even going to come? And I'm going to turn that curse into a blessing. I have no idea what God is going to do next. But I know this. He takes curses and he turns them into blessings. And the reason they got to experience that and say that was because they had the joy of the Lord as their strength. What keeps you going? Oh, my sheer will. Hmm. Invictus, I am the captain of my soul. You know, my, my strength, my character. I'm going to tell you right now, that won't make it. You couldn't save yourself when you were lost. And you will never finish what God has asked you to finish in your life if the joy of the Lord is not your strength. Let me ask you this, what are you leaning on in your life? Well, it's my Christian upbringing hey, look, I appreciate that we have some clean Christian people that were raised in Christian homes and they were schooled and educated well and went to Bible school and now, you know, learning the word of God. I'm I'm real thankful for all that. But you better understand right now, being a preacher's kid is not what's going to get you through. It's going to be you making it your own. And thus it goes for every single one of us. You have to come to a place where you go, you know what? That was my father's or that was my pastor's faith. But now I'm going to make it mine. And God, I'm going to trust you. I have no idea how it's going to turn out. But I'm going to be joyful along the way knowing that you're involved and you're not dead. (laughs) And you've got a plan in all of this. Look if you would at Philippians chapter 4. Do you remember how the Bible says in everything give thanks? Remember that? This is a similar thought. Look at Philippians chapter 4. I realize tonight's a little bit of an unorthodox Bible study, but I hope you're getting something out of this. Philippians chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse number 4. Now, I'm going to read this in the Adrian Standard Version, okay? Rejoice in the Lord when things are going your way. And again, I say rejoice when they're going your way. That's how you read it. That's how I read it. Rejoice in the Lord when your spouse agrees with you because after all, I'm always right. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. When the boss gives you a raise. And again, are are you understanding the problem? The problem is you're, you're led more by your flesh than you understand that you are. And the way you know that is by what makes you happy. And if the only thing that makes you happy is when things are going the way that you want them to, all that you are is essentially one of God's spoiled brats and I've been there. And what I'm saying is God wants us to move beyond that, and gain some spiritual maturity in our lives where we go, you know what? Nothing's going right. I woke up and my back was hurting. And last, my wife, on Monday, I'm like, I sat down, I'm like, Ugh, uh, uh, I sit on the couch and she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, my back. She's like, what'd you do? I'm like, I'm old. <laughs> I did nothing. I don't know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't have a moment. Like, when I was young, it was like, dude, I was, like, skydiving off of a building, and it was awesome, and I hurt my back, and it was cool. Now it's like I wake up, and I'm hurting. I don't know what happened. Wake up, and there's pain, you know, and then you get a message from a family member that someone's going to jail, and you get this thing going on, and, and uh, you know, your phone's blowing up because the bank says, there's an alarm, ah, fire suppression. What is it even on? how do you know what a fire suppression system is? He's describing things to me over the phone. I'm like, ah, yes, the fire suppression system. I, I knew that was going to be a problem. I knew it. No idea what it is or what even happened. Someone asked me, is there water? Brother Felix is like, is there water? I'm, sorry. I'm like, no, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. I, I think so. There might have been some. He's like, is it really bad? I'm like, I have no idea. But I know I can't go down there anymore. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to get across to you, though. God wants you to get to a place where it's not just about everything going your way. And you've been able to genuinely, because you are submitted to the Spirit of God, go, you know what? I told the guys a couple of the guys this tonight, I know this is going to sound crazy to some of you. I'm excited. I'm excited because I want to see God work. Yeah. Amen. Some of you may forget, at the beginning of this year, we had a chance to sign a lease for three more years, or for one, or for two, remember that? And we signed it for one. And if you remember back when we did that, the, the, here's what we said. We want to see what God's going to do this year. Thanks a lot, Lord. <laughs> Signed a lease and now we can't use downstairs for the foreseeable future. You know what the Lord might be doing? Can I, just, can I just throw this thought out there? Okay. The children of Israel were a little bit more ready to leave Egypt because it wasn't comfortable there anymore. Right. Are you with me? If Egypt was like an awesome place to stay and like, let's say you have all the rights that you do in America and you're not a slave like they were, it may have been like, who's this Moses guy? Why does he want us to leave? This is great. Cucumbers, melons, leeks. Who doesn't want to? Who would give this up? You know, in the sun all the time, you get sun, it's great. Get great tan. Who would ever want to leave this place? You know why they left? They were under bondage. I'm not going to try to be a prophet tonight, but I I know the Lord. I do know that sometimes what the Lord does as he says, I'm just going to make you a little uncomfortable. So you're willing to go, Lord, what else is there? Amen. Where do you want our final resting place to be? You know I'm subscribed to you tonight. This ain't it. Amen. And God knows something that we don't know. And you know what we need to have in our lives right now? Joy. I didn't plan any of this stuff. I, I was going to teach on joy from a week ago. And the Lord goes, are you happy? Are you joyful? Can you smile in the middle? I'm not talking like fake Joel Osteen. (laughs) You know, have you noticed like kids these days? We've we've ruined our kids. Get a camera and a phone out, like, (laughs) right? I'm not talking about being fake. I'm talking about being genuinely tapped in to the work of the Spirit of God in your life, being submitted to the Lord and being led by the Spirit of God to the point where you go, you know what? I'm joyful. I saw a picture of a dog. I think it's a meme. I don't know. A dog sitting in a fire and he's like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. The whole place is on fire and he's just smiling. You may go, that's a dumb dog. Guys, got to be honest with you. The world is on fire. And there should be some people that stand up and go, we're good. Amen. Yeah. We know how the story ends. Yeah. You know what side we're on. Can I say this? If you're not saved, there's something inside of you, maybe it's the Spirit of God going, you don't know how the story ends. Right. You better get saved tonight. Amen. So you can experience that everlasting joy that comes on the other side. When Amen. you cross that bridge for the last time, and instead of having exchange, uh, currency exchangers on the other side, you're going to have someone named Jesus Christ waiting for you, welcoming you as his child, and saying, you know, hopefully, 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 prayerfully, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. New Heights Baptist Church, are you joyful tonight? Amen. Are, are you trying to find someone back there, sweetie? Are you looking for Jesus? He's up there. <laughs> just, just <make> <laughs> Christian can ask you this. Church family can ask you this. Are, are you joyful? if you strip back all the things that you don't like about your life right now could you still smile and say thank God let me, let me say it like this it says here in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 4 rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice kind of like in everything give thanks for this is the will of God you know I thought about this why, why, why are those verses so similar and here's what I came up with I, I was thinking about Lord what is the deal and what the Lord gave me was this, joy is the language of gratitude. When you're genuinely joyful, it's because you're genuinely thankful for who God is in your life. So let me ask you tonight, how is your joy? Here's what I'm to ask, and i close a little bit differently tonight. Based on some of the challenges that our church is experiencing, we want to step back and go, Lord, we want you to work. Someone invite any of the men that want to come forward, and ladies, you pray where you're at and join us in prayer as well. This is not like a women I you don't matter, so don't pray with us. That's not what that is. If you take it that way, you're taking it the wrong way. Ladies, we want you to be involved in prayer with us tonight. But I'm going to ask any of the men that want to come forward to kneel at this altar and to join in prayer with me to do so. Gentlemen, if you'd come at this time, and we're just going to be.